Rightio, well, welcome to those who are watching online. Uh, we've got a special interview. I thought I'd take some time out with Ian. Welcome, Ian, to uh, this uh, special broadcast. Um, this weekend is Father's Day, and uh, with Father's Day, I, we thought it'd be a good idea this year to be thinking of uh, good role models and what it means to both look to good role models, but also recognizing that we ourselves as fathers play a part in that as well. But what I really wanted to um, introduce to our listeners was Ian's story. I've heard a little bit of his story and uh, recognized that he, his story captures probably different points of your story, whoever's listening right now. Um, and uh, so uh, I'm really excited to actually introduce you to and, and give the mic to Ian to, to share a bit of his story. So Ian, I'm just wondering um, if you could just share maybe your your early start in life around uh, your own upbringing and your own, uh, I guess, experience of having role models before you or not even having role models and what that looked like for you. Yeah, so, um, well, I guess when, when, uh, when I was born, uh, my mum had a nervous breakdown and uh, she was she was very ill. Uh, my father left the scene very quickly and she was on her own. So um, I was potentially going to be put up for adoption, but um, my grandmother wasn't going to let that happen. So I lived with my grandmother and grandfather and my grandfather passed away when I was about five, but, um, but I lived with them up until uh, I was um, nearly, uh, nearly seven. And then uh, when I was eight, my mum remarried and uh and then i had a stepfather from that point of time but but my birth father was a, a pretty horrible man uh just a bad gambler abuser um yeah not not a good situation and my my poor mum was uh, uh i was i was number three um she'd already had two kids before me so she started her journey of parenting at 17 and and uh, had me when she was 21 and, and it had all become too hard. So it was a pr- pretty hard start for, for mum and, and uh, navigating that early you know, period of time. So, yeah. Okay, so you didn't really have uh, many role models or good role models to look to in your, um, your upbringing life. I guess you had your grandfather or... Yeah, and my grandfather was a sound person. He was really nice, but yeah. grandpa was pretty old and he wasn't well. Uh, yeah. For the last few years of his life, he, he wasn't very well. And and before five, you remember little bits, but you know, not a lot. And you know, he he probably cared for me a lot, which was great. Um, there's some some things I draw off from what I've been told about Grandpa that I've a- added to my life in 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 the sense of I want to be like that, probably yeah. more than anybody else uh, in in those early years. But again, I didn't, I don't have those memories that shaped how I eventually wanted to become a dad. Yeah. Okay. So going from your grandparents' uh, sort of upbringing, then back into under a um, a stepfather, what were the changes there for you in any way? Oh, well, radically to start off with, firstly, because uh, we lived uh, near the beach in DY down in Sydney. Um, and then my mum moved out to uh, Liverpool in a place, it's called, they called it Green Valley, which was Miller out in the western suburbs. It was a, an emerging housing commission area where there were people on top of people and, and uh, no beach anywhere within a bull's roar and, and just a lot of dirt and clay and, and a totally different environment. 
uh, and there was a lot of broken families. So it was a, again, it was a totally different, a lot of single mums, a lot of, you know, similar situations to what we were. So we come from this very nice, beautiful type area close to the beach, out into the middle of nowhere, you know, three hours at that point of time away from, from where I'd had my first um, uh, seven and a half years. So, yeah. so with your stepdad, uh, did you find, um, uh, did he become a role model for you or did you, well, I guess he would have in some ways, but was it um, the kind of thing that you drew from later on? Well, I, I think it's kind of like you're so excited about the fact that, you know, several of your mates have got dads and you don't. And then all of a sudden you, you've got a dad. And, uh, and and you feel a little normal. You feel like, yeah, well, this is what was missing from my life. I need a dad. I want a dad. And, and it was like there was a honeymoon period of about 12 months where it was so exciting um, to, to have a dad and, and to be like my mates who had a dad. And uh, But then I kind of I, I found out that, well, you know, I, I didn't know I could do so many things wrong. <laughs> right. Um, you know, with uh, my, my stepfather was very critical. Um, he was very sarcastic. Uh, he was very um, negative. You know, if I washed the car, he wouldn't say, good job. Thanks for washing the car. He'd say, oh, you've missed that bit. You've missed that bit. You haven't. Done. So I never felt like I did anything right. I felt like most of what I did was wrong and I didn't, I didn't feel uh, either worthy or, or valued. And also, by nature, I've always been a bit of a dreamer. Right. And, and always kind of looking for how to create something good in life. And that was right from the time I was a kid. And, and my stepfather would always say, Ian, you've got to stop being a dreamer. You know, you'll never amount to anything if you're a dreamer. Wow. So it was tough. It was tough because if you're a dreamer, you can't stop being a dreamer. Yeah. <laughs> you can stop talking about it to other people, but you can't stop. You know, because yeah. innate, it's inside of you, and and it's an expression that wants to come out. So I live this conflicted um, life of who I really wanted to be, and yeah. uh, and then I got to a point where I couldn't cope with it anymore, and yeah. uh, I left home when I was uh, sixteen. Okay, okay. So you left home when you were sixteen. So your formative years really had a whole patchwork of things. Yeah. So by the time that you meet Donna. Yeah. And. Uh, you're married, you um, come to the point where you're ready to have children yourself. Where did you draw from to know how to be a dad? This was the hardest part, you know, because I was so angry at my own birth father when I was around 19. And I don't even know what caused that, but I think it was because my brother, my brother, older brother was about to turn 21 and we'd never had any connection with my birth father. And I thought, how can you go 21 years and have four kids and, and not be interested in those kids at all. Um, that, was, that was sitting in the back of my mind. But uh, again, I, there was this anger that was built up. And, and Don and I um, became Christians. Well, we really, we'd become Christians earlier, but we got fed income about God when we were about 20. And, um, and then it was in that that I started to probably forgive my birth father for what had happened. But I was still very scared, very, very, very scared of being a dad myself. And, and how would I go as a dad? How would I be as a dad? And uh, it really, really scared me. And then um, Donna fell pregnant um, uh, not long after we were married. And, um, and she had what's called um, hyperemesis, which is a really severe morning sickness. And um, we're in Queensland and we'd gone for a two weeks holiday, rest and relaxation, and we were so excited about it all. 
and uh, and she um, spent ten days of our fourteen days in hospital, and yeah, wow. uh, it was just so tough. And um, and I, I was still, you know, we'd found out in we didn't even know why she had to go to hospital to start off with. We didn't know she was pregnant, and then. Uh, they figured out that she was six weeks pregnant and, and she had this uh, hyperemesis and, and, uh, and the nurse, the nurse said to us that night, you know, oh, the baby's like a parasite and it just sucks all the life out of the mother. And uh, normally in these cases, when it's this bad, it's highly unlikely that the baby will survive. You I, know? Think, um, I think some mothers might say that doesn't stop at, uh, uh, during <laughs> The nine months they suck off you later on too. <laughs> that could happen. Yeah. Anyway, so that was not welcome news though. So no. So that's my kind of you know I'm I'm feeling and wondering whether I'd ever be a good dad. You know I'm uh, that was always sitting in the back of my mind. I, I don't feel I had really good role models to draw from, um, and uh, I I kind of I was a f- very much afraid of being a dad. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so what shifted for you then? Uh, where did you go from there? How did, how did you actually find yeah. your feet with being a dad? Well, you know, that night um, that I went, Don, Donna was there, we'd been told this, I went back to the, um, to the motel room that we were staying at and I was alone and, and I, felt like, um, I felt like a physical wrestle happened. And, and I felt like a demonic spirit was coming against me and just saying, you know, you, you're not worthy. You'll never be a good dad. You don't deserve it. See, even this shows that you won't deserve it. And, and I'm sorry if I get a bit of emotional here, but I had this wrestle there. And that night, I really, um, I felt God's presence touch me and say that you are going to have a son. And, and in having a son, you're going to find out how much I love you. Yeah. And uh, and in that, I just thought, well, we're going to have a son. This is not going to terminate. We're not going to lose this baby. And I went to Donna in hospital the next morning. You know, I said to her, the words that were spoken yesterday are not going to happen. Yeah. You know, we're, God has promised us we're going to have a baby. And uh, we are. We're going to have a baby and we're going to have a son. Yeah. And we're going to call that son Andrew because... Andrew was the first one who ever brought someone to Jesus. And I want that son that we have to be somebody who brings people to Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's what I want. Yeah. And uh, I had no idea what was going to happen for sure, but that was a piece I had in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, and Donna was only well enough for us to go back home for a couple of days. So we left Queensland and she came back, she came back to the motel for a couple of days and we left Queensland and then came home, but it wasn't long and she was back in hospital again. Yeah. So, and, uh, and I think she was only able to work three or four months of, of the pregnancy and probably not even in that. She had a lot of sick days and then she had to come home and rest. Yeah. And uh, yeah, most of the pregnancy, she was pretty tough, but we just held on to that. Right, so he gripped onto oh, yeah. that sense. Heavenly Father's spoken to me. Mm. So if Father God is in this, then he knows I can be a dad. Yep. Um, yep. How, how did your relationship with Heavenly Father uh, shift some things and even give you foundations for your own fathering of your children? 
Well, I think what happened from there is I started to kind of more study, you know, the relationship between Jesus and God. Uh, I hadn't had that relationship, but, you know, I, I looked at different people that like God had been a father to um, and, and, and realised how much God's love was for me wow. um, and how much God wanted to work in my life and how God had planned for, for us to be, to be uh, parents. And, uh, and, you know, there was, there was some issues in Donna's health that had happened prior that, you know, we didn't even know whether we would have kids or not. So the fact that we were going to have a kid and that it was a rough pregnancy and everything like that, but, but I needed to learn how to become a father. I didn't have a lot of role models. I started reading, you know, um, a few books by James Dobson and Tim right. Ray and other authors because I wanted to learn how to be a dad. And I didn't really know who to reach out to that I really respected to uh, to be a dad and how to be a dad. Well, what I, what I love about this part of your story is that any man, no matter where they find themselves at, no matter what upbringing they had, no matter what role models they had, uh, there is a key in finding uh, yeah. that relationship with our Heavenly Father. The way I love how you said you looked at how he treated his son Jesus Yep. And then uh, more personally, how he loved you. Mm, mm. I think that has to be the starting point for becoming a father ourselves that yep. loves our children in a similar way. Mm. Did you end up finding other people as, you know, through life um, that became good role models for you? Yeah, well, we about five years um, into parenting. Uh, by that time, we had three kids. Um, and I developed a really good friendship with uh, two guys, with um, Graham and Richard Prosser. Uh, and they're still good friends today. Uh, we played soccer together. We surfed together. We kind of did everything together and we had a ball. It was great. And they'd been really integrated into our family. Uh, even our youngest uh, daughter, Hayley, um, her namesake is, is Hayley Prosser, Graham's wife. Right. So um, they, they become special friends and special people in our lives. But their parents, John and Carol, uh, invited us to their life group. And, yeah. uh, and we spent a few years in their life group and they just invested into us and they just loved on us. And it became the first safe place where we could ask the questions that we had peers. We had plenty of peers that were all having kids. It was just a boom in our church at that point of time of, you know, kids coming left, right and centre. Yeah. But there was a difference between a peer and then a, 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 a role model and example. And so John and Carol became very much that for us and yeah. loved on us. And we, we found them to just be a safe place where we could pour out our inadequacy and they would encourage us. They would build us up and, and we'd yeah. walk away knowing that, you know, we were strengthened by their friendship. They were God with skin on for us. Okay. So they were people that you were able to... Uh, kind of draw from, but they were also great listeners by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yep. And yep. Uh, kind of just loved on you when you didn't have any answers. And great prayers. <laughs> and great prayers. Yeah. And I know Carol and John, of course, but, um, and they are great prayers. I, I can picture them in their younger years in some ways in that way. It's great. And they prayed over us and, and they, you know, they, they probably did more for us than, than, than they'll ever understand, you know? Yeah. Um, but they really blessed us. Yeah. I know uh, there's different seasons in life when it comes to role models and, um, you know, good role models that you look to. Uh, so John and Carol, 
um, I imagine that as you went through life, there were other people too that you looked to. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that we necessarily need to explore that. I, I think it's great having good role models for those who are, who are doing, you know, uh, parenthood and as a father in particular, uh, sometimes as a dad, we just think, let's just soldier on. Let's just push in. I, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think uh, your encouragement um, from your story would be find those good role models ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, you know, 10 or so years older than you that have had the experience yeah. and they don't necessarily have to have had it all right either. Mm, mm. Uh, but sometimes there's things that just deposit that you're mm. able to draw from, from them. Yeah. One of the other questions I wanted to ask you, Ian, which we didn't talk about earlier. Um, were there any things that you had found yourself as a young man saying, I will never fill in the blank of my dad. And how did that play out for you later on? Because I think this is a real um, temptation for a lot of young men. When they're younger, they make that statement that it carries over into adulthood. Can mm. you share a little bit of your story around that? Yeah, look, um, uh, I'm just going to grab a tissue. Hang on. Sorry. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Now, when I was as young, like when I was growing up, I watched my parents criticise and argue all the time you know they seem to have this kind of argument that went more than conversation and i said when i get married i'm never going to do that with donna i'm not going to argue with her i'm not going to criticize her and it's amazing how how we can set this up uh, as almost like a god in our life yeah. you know so um when, when we make those statements i will never you know yeah. uh, i grew up very poor and i said i will never be poor you know, like th those statements that you make over your life, they can become like little internal gods. And I remember there was a time there was a tension between Donna and I and I started to criticise her and I started to argue with her and I thought, this is exactly what I said I wouldn't do. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're watching from outside almost yeah. and you're looking at yourself going, hang on a minute, I know that person. Yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden I was... I was my dad and, and I was doing something I said I would never do and yeah. never wanted to do. Yeah. And, and, and then I said, now I'll continue to do that. And then I'd come away from that and I thought, no, I won't continue to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to work out how to deal with this. We're going to work out how to bring it back to communication rather than conflict. Yeah. yeah. You know, we can work out how to create resolution out of this. And, yeah. uh, and that was a journey that Donna and I kind of started where um and look we haven't got it perfect all the time but but we've had a commitment to communicate we've had a commitment to to act in an opposite spirit sometimes to examples that we'd seen and yeah. grow. um but uh yeah we knew that we had to break that that generational curse so we'd had to break whatever had happened in that area yeah so then moving into our families and moving into the example we wanted to set for our kids it was different it would be different yeah I think, uh, even though you didn't say this, I think there's a part where you come back to your relationship with God and say, oh, I've just done the very thing that I said I'd never do. Yeah. I realise that I will never is a statement of my own will yeah. rather than what you can do. Yeah. So I think there is a shift that happens in your own faith journey yeah. that helps break you away from that. And another dynamic in that is because I said to myself, I will never criticize. I'll never get into an argument with Donna. There was a whole bunch of things that have been stored up. Right. And discussed 
purely because I wouldn't let myself discuss them because I thought they might have gone into an argument and they were all stored up and it was like a dam. Uh-huh. And then eventually the dam burst and everything came out. Yeah. And, and then I realised, well, that's not healthy relationship. That's, yeah. you know, I actually, I actually caused that dam to happen. Yeah. And I needed to break that dam. And then once the dam was broken, we, we dealt with things with short accounts, with little things that we needed to. And, and that, the little things then didn't become big things. You know, yeah. we, we kept this open, more stronger line of communication going on. That's good. So Ian, the last thing I wanted uh, people to hear from your story was uh, more so some advice for, for dads who feel like, uh, you know, perhaps that they're watching and they're saying, I feel like I've failed or I feel like I haven't lived up to the dad that, that I'd hoped to be or I feel like I'm struggling or I'm drowning right now. Mm. What would be your advice to those dads who are currently uh, feeling the pressure of being a dad? Mm. Look, I think something changes when something changes and identifying the first something that needs to change. Um, the beauty of this story is now, you know, is that my dad, uh, my stepfather, uh, about 11 years ago, he had a stroke and he had a literal change of heart as well as a figurative change of heart, right. you know, and, and in that stroke, life stopped for him. And for the first time in his life, he slowed down and evaluated life. And dad came to me and, you know, and he, and he said, look, I'm sorry for what I was like when I was young, you know, and he started then to just share with me how much he loved me, how, how yeah. proud he was of me, you know, just, and, and there's probably never a conversation that I have with my stepfather. We say, I'm so proud of you. I love you. You have an amazing family. You've got beautiful children. And this whole thing has just turned around completely. Yeah. You know, his change of heart and then that, that thawed my change of heart. You know, and so there is never, ever a time as a dad, like dad's, you know, 82 now yeah. and he impacts my life dramatically now and, and his impact of my life. And another thing too is I was reading the story of King David a few years ago and, and, and God really clearly showed me how I needed to love my, my, my earthly dad. Yeah. And, and I need to, had to drop all that stuff that happened when I was young. And, uh, and it was because when King David was serving King Saul, even though King Saul was trying to serve, uh, trying to kill him, then King David said, this is how I wanted to be treated as a king. So he modelled, even while he was being persecuted, he modelled what he wanted his people to treat him like as a king. Yeah. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of hell for him, really. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if I want my children to love me as a dad, and in, into my old years where I might become sick or whatever, I need to model that to my kids now. Yeah. You know, uh, even when I'm not in good relationship with my dad. And then, so God changed my heart in that area. And then God changed dad's heart in that area. And, uh, and now we've got a beautiful relationship that I love and I yeah. honor. And actually my kids and grandkids don't know, they don't experience anything of what happened when I was a kid, they've just got this most beautiful, loving grandfather who they just adore him and he prays over them and he loves on them and he encourages them. It's a totally different person. Yeah. Uh, And uh, and that's what forgiveness does. So forgiveness reminds us that we cancel the hold we have on someone because of what they've done. And as we move into that freedom, we release the whole generational change. So it doesn't matter where you are as a dad now, whatever you've failed or whatever you've done in the past, that's not critical. Today is the beginning of a new day. Yeah. And as you walk into a new freedom, 
you release everybody. Yeah. You know, you release the, the marriage into a new freedom. You release the the parenting into a new, and you just admit what you've done right and wrong. And, yeah. and then moving into that allows a whole new page of life to begin. So what I'm hearing is there's two things there. There's a, a, a repentant heart, somebody who's humble enough to say, I didn't get it right. Yeah. I think for dad, sometimes we're trying to hold it together uh, and um, and even tell ourselves, what if I what if I do humble myself and say to my children or the one that I've you know uh, lost my temper with or whatever it might be, I, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Would you forgive me? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's that there's a sense of I don't know if I can do that. But once you do do that, it opens up a totally new chapter. Yeah. Um, and also, you said the other thing was so repentance. The other was releasing people, yeah. uh, which is part of the forgiveness side. Yeah. Um, being able to release somebody opens up something completely new, where no longer is it up to you to change the person, but it's released to God to do His work that He does best. Yeah. Uh, so um, I just want to uh, just encourage those dads who are watching. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for sharing your story because I feel like your story captures a whole heap of other people's stories. And um, I really believe that there are going to be dads out there watching who are going to be encouraged no matter where they find themselves on the scale of, of being a dad and that they'll find some healthy role models around them as well, mm -hmm. uh, as well as realising that they have a part to play in carrying uh, a role model uh, figure for their children as well. Um, so for those who've joined us thank you so much for joining us and uh, Ian again a big thank you from from uh, myself to you uh, from our church to you sharing your heart today being vulnerable I really appreciate it yeah look if I can encourage you with anything just live life as a dad with a soft heart and a firm resolve yeah that's good bless you bless you mate thank you